Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Wednesday, May the 2nd, 2018, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy for the day. And uh, we have hit uh, a new level of craziness with the weather. Earlier in the week, we were hitting highs in the 50s. Today, we have highs in the 90s. So for people who like crazy weather, come to New England. (laughs) (laughs) It is a very interesting time of year. I always say I love the spring, and I do love the spring. And some of the spring days have been gorgeous. The one part that I want to change somehow, and I'm not quite sure exactly what to focus on exactly, but... I want to change the part where it goes directly from cold to hot without stopping in between because I want more of the in-between stuff. <laughs> but somehow, some way, I want to find a way to uh, to attract that. So I'll be working on that. That's one of my things to work on. How you doing, Wendy? What's happening in your life? I'm doing really good. I have to say one of the things I, I probably most enjoy that the – our, our, our audience or our listeners don't get a chance to participate in are our post calls. Yeah, they're fun. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I mean, there are times that like we we have to like get off the phone immediately after the call. Our show is over. Right. And other times we go on for, you know, up to an hour and then some. And um, I think our record yesterday. was almost two hours one day. I don't remember which day it was. I but, think so. Yeah. Um, and yesterday we just had some really meaty conversation. We did. Which usually happens. After we've had a really meaty show where we've talked about some really interesting content, and um, I know you were really enjoying it. And what's fascinating to me is when I'm talking about something, I'm talking with my experiences, my stories, and the intuitions that come to me. Um, And then when you comment like, wow, that was really cool, I'll go, what was? (laughs) What was, (laughs) right. <laughs> and you'll go, can you repeat that? I'm like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but I do remember, and I'm hoping you this will jog your memory because okay. I thought it would be worth conversing about. Because um, I remember you had an epiphany where um, we were talking about um, specifically, you were saying something like, well, I'm really going to look for those places of resistance. I want to clear those places of resistance. And my comment was, it's not easy to just go look for resistance, but it's much easier to like just put yourself on the path of deciding you want something because resistances will just naturally appear. And then you specifically have something to work on. Right, right. In fact, I think both you and Cindy point out to me, Cindy, I talked to her about it this morning. Uh, said it's actually not a good idea to go look for resistances because then you're attracting more resistances. So it's exactly. probably probably not the best path to be on, which is a good point. I hadn't <laughs> thought of that. <laughs> so then after we kind of talked about that, I said, so really the key, if you want to unlock the resistances that you you think you have in your world, set your sights on what it is you desire. And then you kind of took the conversation into, well, I'll have to make time to do that. Right. Yes, and I remember it, what is it you have to make time to do? And you said something like, well, to think about what it is that I want, I need to schedule time. But the problem is I never make the time for that. Mm-hmm. And I said something like, well, that sounds like you're putting this on your to-do list. Exactly. Like, well, kind of. Yep. So anyway, you kind of got some new insight around that. So yeah. what I said, did that jog your thoughts into where you're yeah. thinking about that now? Yeah, yeah, it does. It did. And it does. Um, what was happening in my own mind as we were talking is I was kind of half living in and half remembering the fact that a lot of my day 
and this is not quite so much true in the last few months as it was before the but before that this was like the regular way my day went my day was about problem solving and more precisely looking at the problem hoping to find a solution <laughs> and spending a lot of time looking at the problem and focusing on problems and then more problems would come my way and then i'd, I'd work on those problems and as i'm solving those more problems would come my way because i'm focusing on problems which once I finally had that pointed out to me by like, I think four of you all pointed out to me. It's like, well, yeah, that's probably not the best strategy. <laughs> not unless I like to have lots of problems come my way. And I don't, I was sick of it. So that was in the back of my mind. And I was kind of mulling about that. And I was thinking, you know, what I really need to do then is I need to replace this problem solving thing that I, I tend to get hooked into that I've actually been pulling away from fairly well, but replace that time, if you will, that I spend on that with focusing instead on as I, as I focus on the big things in life that I want to attract, like you said, you get on the path and stuff starts to show up. And so when stuff shows up, then you deal with it. Well, maybe take some of that time that I would normally put on, on basically going around in circles about problems and focus instead on getting that resistance out of the way whenever it pops up. So basically reallocate the time. That way I don't have to make time. I don't, I don't have to schedule it. I don't have to do anything. I just kind of, you know, change the way I go about going through my day. So did you actually have time set aside on your calendar for problem solving? Oh, yeah. I know it sounds terrible, but I did. <laughs> is it still on your calendar? No. Or is it only when you have a specific thing that needs a resolution? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not like I went out of my way to say, okay, solve problems between 9 and 11. That's not okay. the way it happened. No. <laughs> Just wanted to check. It wasn't quite that severe. <laughs> no, it, okay. it would be like, you know, a problem would come up with, uh, oh, I don't know. I, I don't really want to delve too deeply into it because I might trigger it again. <laughs> but let's say... Uh, Oh, there's a problem associated with Louise's business. You know, something that come up. She had been able to figure something out, so I would take it upon myself to solve that. Okay, so there's my first item on the list. And oh, by the way, one of my marketing clients has a problem, and he's turned a, a mountain into a molehill. Hill, so I got to solve that. So put that on my list. And then the, you know, it's just like one thing after another. My list would get longer and longer and longer to the point where day to day, I always had a long to do list. And I still have a long to-do list, not as long as I used to, fortunately, because I've been cutting back on this you know, problem generation thing. But it's still there. So I've, I've always had plenty of things to do. And that's why I fell into the, the, the rabbit hole, really, of thinking, well, i got to schedule time for it. Until you pointed out to me, well, you're scheduling it. Like, oh, yeah, right. That, that's not the way you do it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like this ongoing well, learning process, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and what I was – the thing that I had kind of come to understand um, and I was sharing in our conversation was that what I am finding is that when it is hard for me to focus on the things I want or it feels very manual that I have to set time aside to do it or remind myself to do it or post a sticky note so I'll do it, that tells me there is resistance in the way because what I have found is that when everything is smooth sailing, I spontaneously focus on the things that I desire. Mm. Kind of like if you think about it this way, if somebody is about to take a wonderful um, traveling vacation, something they've desired to do for so very long and, you know, they're making the reservations and, you know, it's like it's something that will give them so much satisfaction and fulfillment that 
I can't imagine that someone has to actually schedule time or have a post-it note. Remember to get happy and excited <laughs> about your trip that you're going to Rome, Italy, that you've always wanted to do. I just can't imagine that you have to schedule it to get excited or remember to focus on it, right? Well, not now. <laughs> there was a time. There was a time when I just... I literally was so much in the habit of not celebrating good things that were going on that I need to like a little jog of the memory to say, oh, yeah, this is fun. Jump up and down a little bit. <laughs> I was in so a pretty like, bad spot. Well, let, well, I guess I was, wasn't really um, gearing that toward you, but now you got me really curious. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, sure I do. <laughs> so when you were excited about going to see Abraham, yeah, mm -hmm. did you have to be reminded? No. Okay. The, what, so what, that's the kind you know, of what I'm talking about happened, you know, back when I was in my really depressed era, and in that era, I had to do all kinds of things to get myself off that track of being depressed all the time. So, the, so gotcha. scheduling was well, actually one of the things I would do. So right now, I wasn't really uh, gearing what I was saying directly to you and what we just talked okay. about. <laughs> I was saying that the next part of the conversation was me t talking about how I'm really recognizing for me specifically, that if I have to work really hard to remember something that I want, then something's in the way. Oh, yeah, There's I agree. on the trail. Yeah. Because yesterday I had a day of just absolutely complete spontaneity almost all day long, thinking about what I'll be doing in my new career and how fun it is and how free I feel and oh my gosh, it's so different than what I'm doing now. And it's like, oh, I mean, I was hearing words in my head, like this is what I was born to do. This is so me. This feels so rich and exciting. And those thoughts were popping in very spontaneously. Nice. Like I'd be in the middle of a spreadsheet doing something for the day job. And all of a sudden these thoughts were popping in and I'd hear you're born to do this. And I'm like, oh, I love how this feels. <laughs> And that lets, and each step along the way, as I've been doing, you know, working toward my financial freedom through my new career, I've had moments and little pockets of this kind of spontaneity. And that's what kind of has kept me going. I'm like, ooh, this is really fun. This is really juicy. And then all of a sudden, the spontaneity would kind of fall away. And I'd be thinking about it. And now there'd be some negative something that would pop up. And I'd go, oh, I just hit a speed bump, which we're now calling, you know, resistance. Mm -hmm. And I'd start looking at it and dissecting it, figuring it out until I was able to create new perception on the way I used to think that were, was keeping me in a negative place where something felt uh, uncomfortable. And then when I found a new way to look at the old situation, I, it would like disappear. In other words, the negative thing would disappear. And then I'd start refocusing on what I desire, and all of a sudden, the spontaneity would show back up again. And it was really fun. And I've kind of had this ebb and flow of that kind of experience over the last four months. Okay. And, like, right now, I'm in the space of where, you know, I just have wonderful thoughts that keeps popping up. Now, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden, okay, here's something that happens. All of a sudden, I'll have a conscious moment. And I'll think to myself, and this is something that's very Wendy-like, what do I want to think about right now? Like, if I just catch myself in thought and there's a blank space, I'll say, ooh, 
I want to keep dreaming about my new business, my new career. This sounds bad. Yeah, that's what I want. And then it's real, it's like, it's real easy for the images and the thoughts and the feelings and the internal dialogue to just snap into place. So that might be not be like the spontaneous thing, but it comes so easily. That's like Close enough. enough layer. Yeah. Yeah. And so I notice when it comes real easy or if it's really spontaneous, I know that at that moment, all systems are go, nothing's in the way, everything's good. Um, now, I'm not looking for resistance to pop up because I never know when it's going to be done. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I expect that to be happening soon. I'm always expecting that um, for it to be done. The resistance is out of the way and now it's smooth sailing, at least to level one of getting into my new career because there will always be new challenges. This is true. You know, and yeah. so I'm, I, I eagerly accept them as part of the journey mm-hmm. because every time I clear something else off the path, it's like a feeling of going on a roller coaster. It's a huge rush. Well, and what... once I've had that rush and it's over, I really look forward to the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing we talked about yesterday, I think it was off the call, was how, um, I think, yeah, I think it was in the context of, of uh, you know, scheduling and all that. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned something to the effect that you, uh, you, you deal with these resistances as they pop up during the day. That's the best way to put it that I can think of. And I'm wondering, when you're dealing with them, are you actually able to do that kind of focusing you're talking about where you're kind of poking around and so forth while you're doing other things, or do you actually have to stop for a moment and just kind of focus there and sit with it? Um, sometimes I can throw out the question, but I may not receive the answer right away. Uh huh. Okay. So if I'm in the middle of, you know, a scheduled day where I have activities that have to be done where I'm using my brain, like on spreadsheets and writing emails and that kind of thing, I'm usually not poking around for what is the resistance in those moments. Which makes sense. I mean, that it takes some concentration to do that. Mm-hmm. So when I say I find a pocket of resistance and then I work on it as it comes, it doesn't necessarily mean in that exact moment I stop everything to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I definitely make a mental note like, ooh, here's something that you know requires some effort. Okay, I used the wrong word. It requires some attention on my part. Mm-hmm. Um, to start picking this apart. And I might do it, you know, while I'm eating dinner by myself. I might do it before I go to bed. Um, Whenever I'm usually by myself, I'm kind of thinking things through. And then if I get to a point that I'm not quite sure where to go next, I'll phone a friend. You know, I'll I'll ask somebody that I know understands what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, can I just bounce something off of you? You know, it's like I want it because my most um, productive method of clearing resistance is through a cathartic process. I need to hear myself talk. And it's almost like sometimes I need to hear myself talk to somebody. Sure. It's easier. Because, yeah, for me, what I say when I'm talking to you is different and more full and more expansive than if I'm just talking to myself. Yeah. Of course, because when you're talking yeah. with somebody else, you get feedback and you get the, the other perspective and the other perspective influences the way you're thinking about what you're saying. So you expand on it some more and so forth. That's hard to do by exactly. yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean, sometimes I can do parts of it by myself. Sometimes I do all of it by myself, but it takes longer. Um, but, you know, when I get to a certain point that I have like a question, like, okay, here's what I've figured out so far, but I don't know what to do with this. That's usually when I say it's time to phone a friend, mm-hmm. you know, okay. or, you know, and I like to say, I, I don't always look for coaching, but if I can bounce ideas off of somebody, yeah, sure. I usually will find my own answers mm-hmm. just, just by hearing what I'm saying and also through their, their input. Right. Um, and so anyway, back to thing. Yes, I work on resistance as it pops up, but not necessarily in the exact moment. Um, but I don't stop until I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, you basically work- put, put it on the back burner until you have a few minutes to sit back and just kind of dwell on it for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it's, I find it a whole lot easier when I'm working on something specific, um, like I'm wanting to create a new career mm-hmm. that generates a lot of income for me. That gives me a much more solid target to work on the resistance because if I start to lose my place and it starts to get muddy while I'm working on whatever this resistance thing is, I can always remind myself what I'm aiming for and go, okay, so how does this relate to that? So Whereas, when, you, when you're working on something specific, that's as opposed to what general, what, what, what would be a general thing that doesn't work as well? Um, Like if something just kind of arbitrarily happens, like, it's like I don't want to name anything because I don't want bad things <laughs> to happen in my world, just like you did earlier. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so let's say um, it's a windy day and it's garbage day, and because of the way the wind is, it blows the 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 lids of garbage cans in the neighborhood up. And some people, like in my neighborhood, you're supposed to bag everything mm-hmm. and then put it in the trash bin. But some people don't follow the rules mm. and the trash just blows all over the place. Mm. And because I live on an internal corner on my street, it's kind of like somehow the wind, because I live near an alley, it's like there's a, a vortex of wind that blows through my area. And I might end up with a ton of trash all over my front lawn. Yeah, that's definitely something so, to avoid. I have to agree. <laughs> yeah, and so that's something that, you know, when it happens, I will tell you, I've worked on this one, but when it happens, I don't get angry anymore, but it used to be so frustrating because I work really hard to keep a very beautiful yard, mm-hmm. and when there's trash everywhere, I'm thinking to myself, you know, hey, neighbors, you know this is your trash. You know what your stuff <laughs> looks like. Come pick, Come it, pick up it up right? my yard. <laughs> So I'm really making, honestly, I I just took something that was real, but I I have exaggerated it. So somebody, you know, someone new in LOA might not even think of that as anything to, quote, work on or any resistance (laughs) at all. It's just wind blows, stuff happens. Mm. Okay, there's truth to that. And if you think about it, when the wind is blowing, why does it land on my yard and nobody else's? Now, this is how you get into the nitty gritty of really applying the law of attraction in a very functional way. Because if it's only landing on my lawn, there's, believe it or not, there's something in me that's attracting it landing on my lawn. 
because it didn't, it, cause, and this has happened many times. It doesn't seem to land anywhere else. It doesn't even <laughs> blow past my house to my neighbor's house. See, now that would have been my approach. Stays, <laughs> it all stays contained on Wendy's lawn. <laughs> and so that might be the thing where if that annoys, now if that doesn't bother me at all, it's not a thing. It's not resistance. If it doesn't bother me at all, it's not anything to work on or clear. But let's just say, and I'm using this really for illustration purposes, because when that happens now, it really doesn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just say it happens, and it happens every single week on trash day. Okay. And I'm frustrated by it. It ticks me off. It makes me angry at the neighbors because they're not following the rules because I make sure I put all of my stuff in a contained bag and tie it in a knot. And so there's no little stuff that can go flying about. So even if my trash bin opens, you know, the weight of what's in my, in in each hefty bag, if you will, is not going to allow it to go spilling out. Yeah, of course. Okay. So that would be the kind of thing that let's say you, it gets your attention because it gets causes some really negative response. Okay. That would be the kind of thing that maybe in the moment I'm picking up the trash is not the, if I'm if it makes me angry it's not the best time to work on it. Ah, okay, that's what you meant. Got it. However, when you find yourself in a better place and you think about the trash. And you go, oh, I'm really in a good space right now. Now's a good time to work on it. Because mm-hmm. you never want to work on it when you're in an angry place because right. you'll only receive angry thoughts. You know, say, so what is it in me that, that created that? What is it about trash landing on my lawn that's so disturbing? And you just ask questions. And, you know, here's just stuff I'm going to throw out here just as an example. Um, okay, well, it's trash. What does trash mean? Well, trash is refuge trash is trash is something i want to get rid of mm-hmm. trash could be toxic mm-hmm. um depending on what lands on my lawn it could be messy juicy mm-hmm. yucky stuff or it could mm-hmm. just be dry paper yeah. you know but i i start looking at the quality of what landed on my lawn <laughs> that's funny just to um, think about <laughs> well i mean i've i've been out you know like i'll go outside to get my mail which is in front of our house and they'll be um like ketchup packets near the curb and when you pick that up the ketchup packet is sticky and icky or there'll be something where uh somebody went through a drive-thru and got a a drink that's in like a styrofoam cup Mm -hmm. and then they either threw it out the window or somehow it came out of a trash can and then people have run over it so now there's parts of the straw the lid the cup and everything's sticky and so the fact that, you know, maybe as I'm thinking about it, there's this common denominator. The thing that really bugs me is that it's sticky and it gets all over my hands and I feel like I'm touching germs. And so even though this is not really my scenario, I can't really tell you where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. But these are the kinds of things that I would think about. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. like what thoughts are you thinking? Now, if I'm talking to a client, they want to talk about really big, important things. But you know what? I really want them to talk about the sticky ketchup packet and how it really ticked them off because now everything they touched and they had they went to get their mail, they got their mail, and now they're getting their mail sticky with the ketchup stuff. And now they're going to get sticky on the doorknob as they walk in the house. And it just really, it's like one thing after another really upsets them. And so if I were listening to 
what I'm saying now, I'd say, hmm, I wonder what's not sticking. <laughs> or I wonder what you're sticking to that you don't want to. Yeah, good point. I mean, the fact that just in my little diatribe, I like kept using the word sticky. Yeah, sure. I, I'd go, I'd say to my client, hmm, so it sounds like there's something with stickiness. Either you are being sticky or you're not being sticky. Let's talk about that. Is there anything in your life that you really wish you could stick to better than you are or that things are not sticking? We're actually doing a kind of free association here then. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because yeah. you're just throwing around words mm -hmm. until something pops. Right. And of all the things I just said about people's trash cans and it blowing on my yard and not everyone else, the only thing that all of a sudden started to gel in my thought process as I was doing this was the word sticky. Mm -hmm. That just popped up like, oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So... It, it causes me to wonder, how is the universe trying to get my attention through having trash land on my lawn or sticky things landing in my curb? But there's something about that that is a message for me. Okay. You know, and so let's say, let's see, can I even think of what it could end up being? <laughs> You're doing some pretty good grading um, here. <laughs> um, so let's say I'm talking about these sticky ketchup packages and everything about it is sticky. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing I tell you is every time I put a post-it note on the wall, it falls off. Oh. The thing that's supposed to be sticky is not sticky. And these ketchup packets are sticky. And I go, well, there's definitely something sticky in my life. What is sticky or not sticky? Mm. What yeah. does this mean to me? Yeah, there's a metaphor going and, on. Yeah. And so I look for metaphors because spirit the universe, God, our inner being, they all speak in symbols. Mm -hmm. Symbols are the language of the spiritual world. So I don't look at things literally. I look at what do they represent? What's the metaphor behind them? Okay. That so, makes sense. I, I anyway, also have to tell you, too, there's also a lighter side to the story, by the way, because as you were telling that story, I realized it actually happened to me. You don't think sticky me. packets are light? <laughs> Well, yeah, that is one form of light. There's an, I mean, it's meaning, meaning like more the comedic side. There's a comedic side to it, too, because okay. I actually had a version of the story happen to me when we lived in Virginia. The guy who lived next door, I don't even remember what it was, but he, I, I think it was, he had these little dogs, and I, I think the dogs would run out in front of the mower when I was mowing the lawn. I was afraid I was going to hit them, run them over, or something like that. And so I went over one day, and I said, you know, we got a leash law here for, for a reason. Could you just kind of keep your dogs over there? And it was one of those things where it was one little petty thing that led to another until one day, all of a sudden, just like you described, a bunch of his, you know, paperish garbage ended up on our lawn. And I started to get upset about it. And then I thought about it for a second. And I looked at the sky and I looked at the weather report and I realized the new weather system is going to blow in the opposite direction. I'm just going to leave it there and see if it blows back on his lawn. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It did. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I that's loved so it. Funny. <laughs> that's so funny. That's what I mean by a comedic side. That when I when you said that story, I said, "Oh my god, that really happened." <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know what I'm thinking as I'm talking about this? When I got to the sticky ketchup packets, that's a real story for me. I mean, the anger is not there. Mm. Um, I just because I like my yard to look clean, so when I go out to get my mail. I pick up trash that's in the street in front of my curb, my neighbor's curb, and the and across from me 
because I look at it when I look out my window. So that matters to me. And the thought that just came to mind, and this is how this kind of stuff works. Um, the thought that came to mind is the silly story that Abraham um, tells on Esther, where she used to carry a coat hanger. You know, this is back in the day when um, um, your car door had a button that you pulled up and down. Right. Mm-hmm. And people used to be able to, like, unlock a door. That's right. Where they left their keys in the car with a coat hanger. It was the trick. And for, yeah, the first time that happened to Esther, it made her feel really good when someone said, do you by chance have a coat hanger? I blocked myself <laughs> out of my car. And she was able to be very helpful, which is one of the things that makes her very happy. And so then she thought to herself, I'm just going to keep a coat hanger in my car because isn't it nice when I can be helpful? <laughs> well, this went on for so long. At one point, Jerry said to her, look, you just helped three people today. <laughs> By having a coat hanger, do you think you're attracting people who lock themselves out of their their car? Say, what an idea! You feel so good about being able to help them, and she went, "Yeah." And he just said, "Is it time to leave the coat hanger at home?" That's right. Yeah. And so she did, and the, that thought, that story, just came to mind when I was thinking about the ketchup packet, mm-hmm. and I thought to myself. You know, I don't mind picking up trash because I love to keep the place beautified. But I do focus on that quite often. Like every day I go out to my mailbox, I look for debris that I can pick up to beautify my neighborhood. Never thought about it before. Mm. I actually focus on looking for debris. And guess what? You find debris. I almost always find it. You do. It's either on, on my lawn in front of my curb, or if it's not in front of my curb, it's on my neighbor's curb. And sure. I walk across the street and pick it up. Yeah, you go look for it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So my I can ask myself a question. Am I ready to let go of that, or mm-hmm. can I keep it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, because it has no negative charge for me, I can do either one. You and can. either one is fine. That's true. You know, but that's, that's kind of funny. It didn't, because as I was talking about the sticky, I was starting to get an internal sensation. This is actually leading somewhere. Really? And I, uh, yeah, and I didn't know if it was going to lead to something you were going to say when you talked about your comedic thing. But for me, it led to, oh, I didn't realize how much I had focused on picking up debris in my neighborhood. Interesting. So that Very was like what I'll call a transparent thought. And I call transparent why i call it a transparent thought is because i think it's so often i don't even see it I don't oh i see, see what you mean yeah right in front of me mm-hmm. yeah it's it's like when you look up the wind your the window of your house and you have a screen you look straight through the screen and most of the time you're not paying attention to the screen right exactly you're just looking at what's outside on the other side of the screen but that's because a screen is meant to be transparent where you can see through it And so I call certain beliefs transparent beliefs when you know they're there because the evidence of law of attraction is bringing unwelcomed things, things into your life, but you don't know why or how. And you're like, well, it has to be because I'm, I'm vibrating something. And if you're vibrating something, it has to be connected to a thought. And if you can't think of anything that it's connected to, I say, then you must have a transparent belief going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and those those are a little trickier, but that's where you that's where I use my inner being to help me. It's like, 
what is it that I'm thinking all the time that I'm not aware of, but it has to be there. What am I thinking? And then I start getting much more mindful of the thoughts that are going through my mind. Because, mm. you know, we they're running through our head all the time. Oh, yeah. But capturing one and wrangling it and going, hey, I found you. <laughs> You're there. <laughs> just like what I just did with the trash in my yard, sticky ketchup things. And all of a sudden, what came to mind is, wow, every day I go out to get my mail, I am looking for debris or trash to pick up. So let's take this back to the uh, let's take this back to the the topic that we talked about yesterday that actually got also introduced on Monday because that topic was the quantum leap, right? How to uh, take the uh, the big steps, the giant steps that Abraham doesn't recommend for beginners, but you know, once you've gotten to the point where you're pretty good at this stuff, well, then it's perhaps time to take a look at quantum leaping. And what you've been describing is one of the processes that you do when you are kind of walking yourself through the steps you have to take in order to take that next quantum leap, depending on whatever whatever it is that you're working on. Um, mm -hmm. And we were actually, what, what, what got us going on this was a subsection in the book, The Law of Attraction, The Basics of the Teachings of Abraham, called I Want to Take a Quantum Leap. We got halfway through that, and then we got off on doing an entire show about it. Well, we should probably do the other half. <laughs> what do you think? All right. Well, let's do that. <laughs> so the other half is just another question from Jerry answered by Abraham. Jerry asks, okay, so tell me one more time, how can we fan our desire? How can we make ourselves want more? And Abraham says, put your thoughts upon what you believe you want, and the law of attraction will draw more information, more data, and more circumstances to your creation. You see, it is a natural process that when you look at what you want and you feel powerful, positive emotion. Okay, it's a natural process that when you look at what you want, you will feel powerful, positive emotion. Mm -hmm. So it, it is a matter of holding your thoughts upon what you want. If possible, go to the places where the things that you want are so that you deliberately put yourself in that position of feeling wonderful. And as you are feeling good, all things that by your estimation are good will begin coming into your experience. So wait, let me stop right there and just kind of, because what that means to me when they say, put yourself in a place where the things that you want are, you know, already are, mm -hmm. I guess that would mean like if you're wanting a new house, kind of like what you and Louise have been doing, go to model houses and, and put yeah. yourself walking through them and enjoying them, going on home tours. Um, if you want a new car, go to car lots, yeah. you know, and start looking at things or go online and look at certain cars or um, whatever it is that you might want. Put yourself in the environment where that is because the environment itself is energetic mm -hmm. and it will help to fuel or fan the flames of your desire and the law of attraction will also bring you more thoughts mm -hmm. while you're there. Yeah. So I think that's what that paragraph is talking about. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 basically showing us how to whip it up into a frenzy, starting with just <laughs> focusing on something. I like, I like that. that whip is. it up into whip a into frenzy. A frenzy. <laughs> there we go. And so then they go on to say, when you focus upon something, the law of attraction will do the fanning. So if it seems that you that it is requiring a great deal of work for your desires to increase 
and the positive emotion to be more, it is because you are thinking about what you want and then about its opposite. So you're not really allowing a steady forward motion. Yeah, very important point from my perspective, because I know I do that. And the interesting part is I often don't recognize the second part of it, that what I'm really doing is focusing on the opposite. That part I often skip over. If I look back on it, yeah, then I have to admit I really was, because I can see particular points in time where I had certain thoughts and like, oh, yeah, I guess those really are opposites. But isn't it interesting in the middle of it, I don't think of it as focusing on opposites. I think that's normal or typical. Yeah, I think it is. But, you know, this is where I'm going to interject my own experience. It's not what Abraham's saying specifically. Okay. But my experience is, so when I'm waffling on a subject, I want it, and then without realizing it, I'm focusing on what I don't want. Mm -hmm. And then I want it, and then I find myself unconsciously focusing on what I don't want. I think those, when you go into what you don't want, that does equal a point of resistance. Yeah. That's my take on that. Because why else would I be all of a sudden being in doubt, worry, concern for things staying the same? So what do we do with that? Do we, is it you like, a re- get, is that a recognition you have point? You become conscious. Yeah. Okay. So it's a recognition point. Yeah. Once you recognize it, then acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. And then you can say, and now what do I want to do about it? Yeah, okay. Because that's kind of what's happened with me all along this process. When I get to the, you know, why am I having a hard time focusing on the thing I desire? Then before I know it, something has popped up in a bigger way for me to be able to recognize it. Mm-hmm. And then I go, oh, okay. You know, the thing that came up for me that, oh, I'm part of a working class family. Nobody in my family's ever broken through the glass ceiling. You know, everybody works hard and that's what you're supposed to do. Well, that whole set of beliefs was keeping me anchored to not moving forward and having more money. And so now it becomes so a I, practice of, of turning that around, basically saying, okay, I'm not going to go on that little storytelling journey anymore. I'm going to replace it with a new story. Well, and if telling just telling a new story doesn't seem to be potent enough, then that tells me you have some belief that you've got to go after and, and shoot. Before you're going to be able to get any traction. Or in yesterday's word, you've got to blow it up. You've got to blow it up, <laughs> yes. Kaboom! <laughs> yeah, and that's what I did, you know, because I've had so many people just say, well, just don't do it anymore. Like, you you know the folly in that thought. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and I'll think to myself, well, I do know consciously, logically, mentally, intelligently, I do know the folly in thinking this thought. And yet, it feels so real, I can't just let it go. And when I'm at the point, it feels so real, I just can't let it go. I know there's something there that I need to keep searching for so I can blow it up. And like in the case that I'm talking about now, I'm part of a working class family, never gotten behind it. You know, any, nobody in my family has gotten outside of being a working class family. And you got to work hard to make money. It can't come easy. You know, that's when I like stumbled upon, you know, my friend asked me a question and I burst into tears. When And 
the subject in my mind, it's like my memory just boom went there of me discouraging my father from making a lot of money and then realizing how can I go and do the thing that I discouraged him from? Yeah, that was a big one. And, yeah, and you know, my friend Rhonda, bless her heart, she said, well, you know that's silly. And I said, I do. But it felt so real, I couldn't let go of it. Mm. It's like my guilt was, the guilt was so strong. Like, how can I go and do something that my father, I, I was discouraging my father from doing that makes me such a hypocrite that goes against my sense of virtue my sense of integrity, because I believe in walking my talk. And so I had to look at this from a completely different angle. And I had to uh, kind of go more generic and go, you know what, if my father were still here today on this planet, he wouldn't, he would not say to me, Wendy, I don't want you to have success in life. Because if I didn't have success, you can't have it. He would never say that to me. No. That was just stuff. <laughs> stuff. And I like so that. So I had to start. Hmm? I like that stuff. It's just stuff. And it, it was just it, it's just sort of a generic, nice, easy noun that applies to all of the junk that we want to get rid of. <laughs> it's stuff. <laughs> well, and I mean, who knows how young I was when I started feeling this way and started feeling um, comfortable in my middle-class America, living paycheck to paycheck, always being in debt, you know, who knows when that started for me. Um, but it's like I was taking a look at it in this moment and went, that doesn't serve me. Holding on to that doesn't serve me. But it felt so real, Walt. Mm. It, it didn't let go easily yeah. until I, I allowed myself to think some new thoughts that kind of trumped the old ones. Mm -hmm. Makes a difference. You know, and one, one of the big things was my father's now transitioned. Mm -hmm. And my mm -hmm. belief is that all beings on the other side live in a space of pure positive, positive energy. Yep. They're not into revenge. Nope. There's not into guilt. And so I just pictured my father and I kind of connected with him. Um, not kind of, I did. I connected with him on the other side and just kind of ask the question. This is, I was off the conversation with Rhonda. It was just me. And I just said, dad, are you, can you forgive me? Which was re really me asking, can I forgive myself? Hmm. Can you forgive me for discouraging you? And he's like, Pfft. and that's the kind of response he would have. <laughs> kind of like, don't even ask. That's a stupid question. <laughs> and I'd say, so if I like really go out and make a whole lot of money, it's not going to like upset your apple cart that like, cause you didn't. And this is what I literally heard in my in my mind's ear. Now, whether he said it or I got it from my inner being or I made it up doesn't matter because it encouraged me. And what I heard was, I'd be so proud of you mm. if you went and lived the life that you know you were born to live and you followed your dreams. Well, that's Just nice. Go for it. Yeah. Just go for it. And I was like, okay. And that's when that real belief broke apart nice and then all of a sudden i'm like yeah i can go do what it is that i want to do and i know i have your support and i know i'm not hurting you or anybody else in the process when i go and live a fantastically successful life and i just had that because he was a drummer i kind of heard that bump, bump, drum roll <laughs> <laughs> you know like yep, yep. you got it because mm -hmm. 
that at the dinner table all the time when you'd say something he really liked. He'd, yep, but boom. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and, and so at that point, that belief had broken apart. I blew it up. I blew up the old belief. And the new belief was go out there and live your life. If you want success, go after it. It's there for you to take. It's there. You know what's funny, now, though? I mean, you, you described that as blowing it up. But honestly, you know what it sounded like to me? It sounded like it disintegrated. Same thing. Like it just kind of went <laughs> pile of dust on the ground. <laughs> I mean, energy never can be destroyed, but it can be transmuted or changed. Mm-hmm. So to me, when I call it blowing it up, and that was just something I said yesterday. It's not like my normal wording. Um, actually, I normally say I've transmuted it, but I don't want to say that because <laughs> people go, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> um you know, if I blow it up or change it or turn it into dust, it doesn't really matter. The point is it's changed. Mm, true. And that old belief in the way it was holding on to me has shifted. Mm-hmm. It, no, it no longer is like, you know, shackling me and like got me by the throat. Right. Which is the most I, important thing like, to get rid of that. Yeah. It's like it's gone. And mm-hmm. so... I don't feel just neutral. See, if I only shattered the old belief, I'd probably be at a space of neutral. That's been my experience. Hmm. And I don't like neutral. I mean, some places neutral is good, but in this case, I wanted to shatter the old belief and get a brand new belief that is shiny and feels good. And I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And knowing that I can go forth and conquer. Oh, that's a good one for me. (laughs) And I know I keep changing the words, but it's kind of like new words just keep coming to me every time I go to articulate it. Well, it's fun. Yeah. It's how, Which it's also how you make it adds worthwhile. to the new beliefs, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't even know where we, we started off on that one, but you know me, I can run a tangent quite nicely. <laughs> well, there, there's also a, a nice little parallel coming up because the next section of the book perfectly parallels your Project X and even your Project okay. B, too. It's real short. It's called Aren't the Grander Things Hard to Manifest or Harder to Manifest? Um, Jerry asks, then what would you say is the reason why almost everyone feels that they can create or manifest little things, but they feel like they can't create the larger things? And Abraham says it's because they are not understanding the law and they are hinging what what can be upon what has been. Been in italics. When you understand the laws, then you understand that it is not more difficult to create a castle than it is a button. They are equal. It is not more difficult to create $10 million than $100,000. It's the same application of the same law to two different intentions. Which is at the exact root of what you went after when you started to do Project B. You wanted to really go for the gusto. Not be held back by the gusto's too big. Oh, exactly. Now, but on Project X, which is about money, mm-hmm. I was going for the gusto. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going for the castle because if I can have a exactly. button or a castle, I prefer a castle. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And yet these other things were showing up that, you know what, even if I wanted a button, I wouldn't have been able to produce <laughs> buttons because I, I still had so much resistance. <laughs> Isn't that annoying? <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, I mean, from my perspective, 
I, I've had it in my, my understanding for a long time from Abraham. I've heard them talk about the button versus the castle many times. Right. And when I think about that, there had been, and I think this is past, pretty past tense, there had been such a sense of, huh? How is it possible? Mm-hmm. Because I would think of the specifics of what it takes to create either. And then, Walt, there was even a point that I'm like, I wouldn't even know how to create a button. <laughs> yeah, sure. I go to the store and buy buttons, but That's how do right. you create a button? <laughs> you need a manufacturing plant and you need plastics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I could take myself down so many roads. But I understand what they're saying. I mean, and they said 10 million versus 100,000. They could have said 10 million versus $100 or $10. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It would have been just as real. It's just as real because if you're in the like because if you're in the place right now where a hundred dollars would make or break your life, then this statement that it's nothing different to create ten million versus a hundred thousand is kind of like, oh yeah, those numbers mean nothing to me. They're so far beyond where exactly. I am. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, for some people coming to the point where they could say, creating an income flow that covers my bills would be such a grand, fabulous thing to receive from the universe. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I know plenty of people whose income is smaller than their expenses. I have certainly been one of those people for many years. Mm -hmm. You know, but I didn't, I, you know, back then, (sighs) figuring out how that was going to happen seemed impossible. It does. Because, you know, what I think the typical thought process is, and I'm just dissecting this one as we're speaking, is, well, if I make, let's, I'm going to use round numbers. If I make $50,000 a year, but my expenses are $60,000 a year, I'm going to have to find a job where I can make a part-time job where I can make $10,000 a year just to break even. Right. But the first place most people go is I have to find another job. Mm Mm-hmm. Or I know somebody who said, or I need to take in a roommate. I don't really want to. I love living alone, but I'm going to have to take in a roommate to generate income. And if I don't do that, I'm going to have to get another job. And I don't know how I'm going to do that because the job I have now is already kicking my butt energetically. Mm -hmm. I'm wiped out at the end of my 40 weeks or my 40-hour shift. Put another way, whenever we're trying to resolve this issue, the last thing we have in mind is using the law of attraction and creating it out of thin air and saying, you know what, I'm going to attract not just the 10,000, but even a lot more than that. Because it's so much easier to think in terms of, well, here's what I can practically do with just taking physical steps and taking actions. Because actions I know I can count on. I can't count on that other stuff. That's the feeling that I have. So I'm going to focus on only the thing that I can count on. And... Boy, this is going to be hard. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, and like the person, I mean, there's a real person I'm thinking of um, whose situation is where the income is not as, is not big enough to meet the bill. Mm -hmm. And that this person had a lump sum of cash given to her by a a source. And little by little, she'd been taking part of that, what she had now put in her savings. And that's how she'd been living for the last couple of years. Mm Mm-hmm. And now it all ran out. Right. And now it's like, oops, now what? Yeah. And I remember saying a couple years ago, 
um, when these circumstances happened, you know, just because what the only two options you can think of is either I have to get a part-time job or I need to take on a roommate, neither one of which were appealing to her. I said, there could be a third, fourth, fifth, or sixth option that because you only can are allowing yourself to consider the two, you cut yourself off from the other options that law of attraction can actually deliver to you. Exactly. That's it. That's what we do. And in her case, what if a part-time job is exactly what would work for her, but because right now her thought of a part-time job is, I'm already tired from the one job I do have. I work such weird hours. I have no idea how I could find a job that would fit in with my current work hours. And then, you know, a whole list of things that say that's not going to work. Well, if she lets go of that idea that that has to be the only way and, oh, and I don't like it. And she go, you know what? I'm just open to any and all possibilities that the law of attraction can bring to me that would allow my life to continue and, you know, as it is in a way of ease. She could all of a sudden get something where, and I think something's opening up to her right now, where there's something where she can do for like four hours a week. And that four hours a week is going to pay her because that employer is going to pay her much more than what she could have even expected. It's more than what she even gets in her current job. And it's something that she could work into her schedule with ease. Mm -hmm. But that was not even something that she thought was possible because she was so stuck on well, if I need more money, it can only come one of two ways. Isn't it and interesting how we, we very easily fall into, I'm only limited down to these two options. We have the ability to dream. We have the ability to expand the possibilities. We have the ability to kind of reach out further than what we've got right now. We have the ability to do that. But our first inclination is to pull it all down, to pull it all within. And in doing so, we cut ourselves off from the one thing that is the most powerful. Are dreaming. And I guess I would also say just letting go and allowing the universe to provide the way. Mm. Letting go is not giving up. Good point. Letting go and surrendering to the magnificent power of the universe, that's I call wisdom. Because the universe and your inner being and or God and or source energy any of these things that you refer to as a higher power have a very different vantage point than we do. They see things, not just 360, they see things from a spherical perspective, up, down, inside, out, backwards, up, you know, in the future, in the past, in the present. They, they see things from a space of all knowledge. And so they say, see things that we do not. And because we have a very societally, uh, oriented mind, the typical thing is when you need more money, the typical answer is you need a job that makes more money or you need another job. People think most of the time in terms of if you need more money, you have to work for it. Mm -hmm. You don't, you know what? Sometimes you don't. No, you don't. Louise and I are finding and that I don't firsthand. Want to... <laughs> and my friend Rhonda is one of the authors in the book and I'm mm -hmm. not going to give away her chapter. But her chapter is one of the most magnificent examples 
of how the universe provided something for her monetarily that she did one time and she didn't even know what it was about and didn't even know she could get what even get true. paid for yeah. it. And yet <laughs> it's sending her money on a monthly basis yeah. or a quarterly basis. Yeah. It's free money. Yeah, it was pretty wild. <laughs> you know, and so there are so many things that are available to us, but if we limit our thinking, we literally limit the universe and the universe's ability to provide things to us that are off our list. Because mm-hmm. if we go, it's either got to be A or B. Because all I can think of is it's either I got to do A or B. And you know what? I don't like either one. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, if you have only A or B, you limit what's possible. Right. And second, if you get to the point, well, now I'm desperate and I better just pick one A or B. I promise whichever one you pick, it will not go well. No. Because you made a decision, but you did it from a place of either desperation or anger or frustration. You didn't make the decision from a place of lightness and ease and flow and intuitive guidance Mm -hmm. where you get this gut feel to just talk to somebody. Hey, I, I could really use a roommate. And they say, you know, I know somebody. And the truth is they're hardly ever even home, but they need a place to put their stuff. But they travel most of the time. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, that's like, woohoo, perfect roommate. Yeah, right. <laughs> For somebody who doesn't really want a roommate, but yet they get the income from it. Exactly. Okay, yeah. that'll work. Yep. It's an amazing so, thing. I mean, Louise and I are experiencing it now. Now, most of what, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. Part of what we've been experiencing, this is through her business is a huge transition from last year where last year she was working her head off. I wasn't quite doing that because I was just trying to make some some changes so that she wouldn't keep working her head off. And we kind of set the goal that this year we were going to do a much less, much smaller amount of work and we were going to dish off work to other people. And that was a little bit of a hard transition to make mentally, but we did make it. And guess what's happening this year? We're dishing off work to people who are working underneath us. I mean, we're really not doing all that much compared to last year. And wow. we haven't even, it, it's a huge transition. And yet I'm realizing even now, we've got a whole lot more transition to go because we're going to get to the point where we're just dishing it all off and just kind of keeping an eye on it from afar. And wow, what a great place so, that's going to be. So when you say dishing it off, you're talking about you're delegating work that in the past, Louise and right. or you had to physically do yourself. Exactly, exactly. Oh. Well, yeah. Now, that's leverage. It is. It's fabulous. It's a great place to and, be. You know, and not that we have time to go into this example, but I will just say this, that Abraham t- has talked about using the universe as your personal leverage, as your personal manager. Because, and, and I, sometimes I forget that, but when I remember it, it works so beautifully for me Because I'm like, okay, universal manager, you see things in a way that I can't. And so here's what I need done. That's on your to-do list. And I'll do these things because these are easy. (laughs) (laughs) Or fun. Actually, that's our role. (laughs) Abraham taught Esther how to do that. So Mm -hmm. maybe we'll talk about that at another time. Yeah, let's do it tomorrow. That sounds good. And we hope that you all will join us as well tomorrow here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye now. 